the site you are on right now, developer.salesforce.com, was built with LWR. So do you remember what it was we were talking about earlier? And I said, oh, let's talk about that on the show. Uh, it was that I needed a hobby. It was your hobby thing? Well, I started out saying that I needed a hobby oh, and yeah. that I spent a lot of, I spend a lot of time. My hobby has been reading a lot of just junk. Um, and I was kind of saying that I used to read, I used to spend a lot more time reading, you know, programming things and all that kind of stuff. But I've kind of, as of late, maybe in the last few years, I've just, I can't handle it anymore. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. Well, that's what got me thinking because I remember like, uh, you know, when you, um, at least in this, I feel like this applies to all kinds of different um, vocations, but when I was younger in my career, um, I was very hungry for just to like learn, right? Learning because there was just like you know so much, so much to learn, and it's not like mm-hmm. it's not like you know you ever finish or you ever like there's no end that you can reach with really any of these things. You can right. always get better. Um, but you really leaned on, and I say you, I'm really talking about me, but the the royal you, um, you really lean on other people's wisdom because you don't have any yet, and mm-hmm. you know that's what, and you know. <laughs> That's why you need to read, you know, the the patterns book, right? Because you 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 know there's stuff out there that you need to be doing, but you don't know what or why really. And right. so you know you're kind of grasping at that, trying to trying to learn those things. Like, well, why why anyway? Why do I need to be doing this? Or what do I need to be doing? And so it's very formulaic. Yeah. But the, I think the more experience you get, the more you know wisdom you accumulate. You know, you don't. Um, you don't need those things as much. I mean, you've already, you've already incorporated them into your body of knowledge, you know, into your, your deepest thought processes, you know, they're, they're second nature for you. And so, I mean, I used to reread certain books like every, I don't know, every couple of years, like the pragmatic programmer was one. I was like, I I always tell people like, that's a book you can like definitely read it. And then just read, you know, read it over, you read it again in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, then it's still, I mean, I, I haven't read that in probably 10 years now, but if I read it again, I'm sure I would enjoy it. And I'd, and I'd probably be like, oh yeah, I, f- I forgot about that one thing. Or I need to like, I'll, I'll just think, I'll just realize there's things that I can kind of take from that and and incorporate that into what I'm doing. Um, but it's just not near as much. It's like, I feel like it's diminishing returns. I mean, that makes mm-hmm. sense, right? Yeah. You know, you watch a you watch a movie the first time, you get a lot out of it. You watch it the next time, you know, you might still get, you're definitely going to get new things out of it that you didn't get the first time, or at least in a good movie, I would say. Yeah, but at some point, you know, it's diminishing returns. It's like, okay, I've pretty much squeezed this thing dry, <laughs> um, and I feel like it's you know it's kind of like that with with some of these things, and and so I kind of feel you in that I am not as hungry for uh, just that type of learning. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I, I agree with that. I think some of it though is. When I do have some free time, I want to do something that's not work related. Well, that and too. And, but at the same time, I feel like there's all these things I need to do. Like I need to go in a deep dive on some of these newer technologies or like all my frustration with all the, the messaging APIs and stuff that I was having, I was dealing with the last time we talked. Um, 
I feel like maybe I should go in and do a deep dive of that and just kind of just pick it apart. But I'm like, well, that's a multi-day effort of me sitting there and just experimenting and picking it apart and reading and learning and doing all this stuff to understand. I'm like, well, I kind of want to de-stress. Yeah, definitely. And because because that type of activity, like what you just described, I mean, that that is something that that a kind of exploratory um, kind of learning Mm -hmm. thing. That's something that honestly should be fun. And if it's not fun for you, either and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about the royal you, then one of two things, either stop because it's not the right time right now. Maybe you need to de-stress. Maybe mm. you, you got other stuff going on, you whatever, right? Um, so it's either one of those two things or it's that this is not the industry for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, sh- it should be fun. I mean, honestly, that kind of thing should be fun. Um, I really like when I get to pick out a couple of features or bugs that um like i found in camel or that someone else has reported that i know i want to go work on and sometimes it'll take me a couple of weeks or a few weeks before i'm just like i'm in that right frame of mind but then you know i'll be sitting around on a saturday and i got a good night's sleep and i'm drinking my latte at home i make my own lattes i don't go out and buy a cinnamon latte from starbucks don't judge me <laughs> um and I'm, just, I'm just like i'm just like yeah i'm in the mood this is gonna be fun like i i want to dig into that because this is what i enjoy doing this is the only the, the fact that I enjoy this is the only reason this industry works for me at all this profession because otherwise it's a freaking beating and when you actually figure out what you make per hour <laughs> it's not near <laughs> as good as what it might seem right yeah. <laughs> with the amount of time we you have to spend in this in this profession well I, I I'm struggling because it is fun for me to explore non salesforce related stuff. But okay. the problem is I can't really use that stuff in my day to day. I mean it's it's rare that I can kind of get it get it to cross over. No, just tell the client, "Hey, we're not doing this in Salesforce. We're we're building you we're building you an Oracle system." Yeah. Um <laughs> and I feel like half the time I'm going to say 80% of the time what I'm dealing with in Salesforce is understanding the quirks of Salesforce. You know, because it, a, a, if I'm if I'm deep diving on a component, there's all these other factors it's not just an isolated component that i can just pick apart there's its context its usage you know all the other interactions that salesforce says should happen and when it should happen and what i should expect to see um understanding the caching model and when i may or may not get a message to my method that something changed and and when it when i don't or or trying to understand you know when i can do certain things or what i can expect all those things require just kind of um almost picking it apart. I mean, the documentation is good on a lot of this, mm-hmm. but it doesn't tell you the full story. And if you're, if you're going to try to master something like that, you kind of have to go through that experimentation process. And it, it's very time consuming because Salesforce is slow as hell. If I've written components that have taken me weeks, mainly because for me to iterate and make small little changes to, to try to see what that small change impact has, it's, it's, it's a cycle of a minute, if not more. And that aggregates. Yeah. Because I have to save it. It has to deploy. I have to hard refresh my screen. Did it really hard refresh? No. Let me let me empty cache and full reload and see if that did it. When, I've also noticed that it's caching some of my Apex controller logic. For some reason, it's it's doing all this stuff that I'm not expecting. And that causes me to go through this cycle of refresh, refresh, refresh. When, you're, when your platform is constantly gaslighting you, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe it's time for a new platform. So, I mean, that that's my problem with, with Salesforce in terms of trying to do that experimentation. It's not fun because I can't get immediate results in order to experiment. I have to wait. I have to refresh. I have to do all this stuff. 
And if I'm not paying attention to my debug log to see that, oh, that didn't that didn't actually upload because of some random error somewhere else, and then I waste a lot more time there too. It's just all these little things that that end up aggregating that makes that process not fun in Salesforce. Sorry, that was a rant. Yeah, that's good. Um, there's a lot there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think it's fair to say, you know, Salesforce still has a lot of work to do on the developer experience front. I just want it to be faster. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, a big, that's a big part of if it. If they were to stop new features now and just focus on speed and performance, I'd be okay. Um, now, Wall, Wall Street's not okay Wall Street wouldn't like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just gotten to the point where it's so slow. I can Even normal pages where I've, where I even haven't customized them yet, and you try to load them up for the first time, you have a blank screen. You don't even get a, a, a little happy guy dancing or whatever anymore. I've just seen blank screens for like a half a minute or something before it finally starts loading the UI. So you'll click on a tab to get to a record and click on the record and nothing until, and you just have to be patient. Like, don't start refreshing because yeah. I've done that. Right. You'll end up in a cycle. Um, it's, like if it, I, it's, coming. it's like if I push, if you, when you're at Sonic, if I push the button again, does it put me at the back of the line? Yeah. Or <laughs> The other thing is just have, if you look at your console when, when a screen is loading, there, it, errors are throwing, thrown out everywhere. I'm, now they're gracefully sadly, failing. Sadly, that's normal for like but, modern web deve- websites and web development, I which just, is which just says something about about it does, about it? our the state of our tooling, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's a problem. Don't use JavaScript. It's terrible. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we have to. We all know my opinions on web as a platform. Well, yeah, I'm, you know, you're not entirely wrong, John. It's horrible. It is pretty shitty. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, weird because, you know, as, as many, as much, you know, as many just, uh, who knows how much money has been put into things like JavaScript and all these tooling around it and all the, on all the VMs that are um, super high performance nowadays. We've, we've just been, this is my, one of my favorite metaphors, we're just paving over, paving over and paving over. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you could do an, an um, archaeological, you know, dig and you could just go down thousands of feet on this thing. <laughs> and there's a lot of dead bodies buried in that too. <clears throat> it's turning into an everlasting gobstop. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's a reason why the salary is just so high in this ecosystem too. It's because how else would you get people in here to d- to use these tools? It's just hard finding anybody. <laughs> Which yeah. you want to make a pitch that we're we're trying to hire? Developer? Well, we are. We're, we are. We're, I mean, we're hiring everything. That's but true. yes, uh, including developers. Yeah, but the ratio of 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 developer to to implementation specialists is getting pretty wonky on our end. Implementation specialist. What is that? I don't is know. That, I just I was no. picking a middle of the yeah. road uh, well, title, I, consultant, or whatever. Well, that's, that's the other thing. This whole this whole world of Salesforce implementation. I don't know what to call people. I'm a developer, but we have people that just like they wear so many hats. They're the consultant the the implementer the the qa or the just why are you obsessed with the labels john i don't know i just need i need organization i need organization come whatever you want to i guess ask them what their preferred title is <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna i need to start listing that on my linkedin my preferred title yeah i gotta come up with a good one yeah mine would be rude yeah mine would be too unfortunately yeah oh um I wanted to tell you a couple of things. One, okay, so I'm looking at my, I have iStat menus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, it's weird. Did you know that iStat menus is controversial, just even having it? Because it uses resources. Resor- yeah. <laughs> I've often thought that, and I, I don't use it as much as I did with some of my earlier 
uh, computers. But you know that th- this dovetails into one I, one I wanted to talk about, though, because yeah, and historically, like that would bother me a little bit that iStat menus. Although I've always used iStat menus, but it's always bothered me a little bit that I know that like it's, you know, it's um, what is the um, uh, it's probably the like the Hawthorne effect. I know there's other terms for this, but like when you observe something, usually um, the act of observing it, whether it's humans or whether it's you know electronic devices that you have to put some kind of probe on or whatever, it can often change the way the thing is behaving. Mm-hmm. And that definitely applies to iStat menus. Like just having it observing things, it's changing the way the thing is behaving. I mean, okay. it's going gonna, it's gonna to use some more CPU cycles. It takes memory. It's all these things. But I'm looking at it, and I don't know how many cores my computer has. Is it eight or whatever? But like two of them have just been slammed this whole time we've been recording. I've got crash plan running. I can see it. I've got my audio um, kernel extension doing stuff, ad- auditions doing stuff. Um, so two of my cores are slammed. And there's not – I don't think there's a fan running on this computer. In fact, I still have not heard – in the how long have we had these computers? I've had mine for a couple months, three mm-hmm. months maybe. I've never heard the fan spin up. I can, I can launch a multi-threaded Maven build of a – 10 million line project and I don't get fans. Yeah. And this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And the battery lasts for freaking ever. I can sit at the bar and work for two hours on battery and my battery will be at 94% when I'm done. Yeah. I don't know what mine's been doing. I've been plugged in, but I'm at 70% for some reason. 76. Anyway, I just, I could, this is by far the best computer I've ever owned. It's also the biggest step up from a previous computer ever. I don't know. Maybe when they went to um, the solid body, what do they call that? The unibody. Unibody. I think so. Fuck, that's a car term, but <clears throat> well, it is. But yeah. Anyway, um, same theory, I think. Also, I installed VS Code finally. I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, it's pretty good. <clears throat> well, aside, I, I was still you know sublime text and there's mm-hmm. still you know there's still benefits there's still things that sublime text is better at you just have so much muscle memory in it. <clears throat> well that's part of it um but um i've got all these problems with it and i'm not sure if i i really haven't what, what sublime text that is and i and i haven't really investigated them that much um i hadn't even put my license in since because mm. i installed it with the new machine but i hadn't registered it i hadn't told it with my license so it was like still running in like yeah you don't have a license mode or whatever which actually Sublime Text is super generous about that. I don't think it ever really even, there's no nag on it really mm. that I can remember. But I had some kind of, you know, I was missing plugins or something. I don't know what it was, but, and I was getting, um, anytime I tried to like format uh, like JavaScript or whatever, or JSON, it would, um, I think get a terrible dialogue that you'd have to dismiss like a thousand times. Uh, mm. And I didn't, and I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to invest a bunch of time into fixing my, getting my Sublime Text installation back up to par so mm-hmm. like I, I need to i need to go ahead and like check out vs code so installed it i mean it's, it's um uh it's actually i got a couple of what did i have to install uh, a few plugins um there's a really great camel plugin actually and i installed there's a text like a text power tools plugin or something like that because i was looking for i need to i wanted to be able to like grep just an open file that's not even saved and mm-hmm. there's some kind of text. I feel like it's called text power tool or something like that, but it has grep and like you can, it's just anyway, um, 
Because what I wanted to do was like, I took the log output from an integration and I wanted just the error lines. And then within that, I wanted to, de- to deduplicate. And it's just killer because, and you can do this, again, you can do this on this stuff. But I mean, the fact that I got it up and running so easy and like in- installing plugins on mm-hmm. VS Code, so that whole system is really easy. But yeah, so I was able to like grep for error lines and then there's just a built-in like delete duplicate lines. Mm-hmm. And there, boom, I have a a file of unique error messages. And like in, in many cases, this was like, um, and it was like reporting from Salesforce, like they were missing pick list values, stuff like that. And I didn't want, you know, the the error message that, hey, you're missing the pick list value zero seven. I didn't want that a hundred different times mixed in with all the other duplicated ones. I wanted just one of each. And it was yeah. just, I did a one, I did a grep and then a deduplicate and then copy and paste that into Slack, get it to the right person. Good to go. But yeah, but like the formatting, like um, you can, <clears throat> one thing that I was hard for me in sublime text sometimes, but I don't, I'm also, I'm often just working with transient text and that's my biggest kind of use case for text editors. Mm-hmm. It's not even, it's not even really files on disc. It's just, I want to pop up in a new editor paste some shit in, do some stuff with it, and then copy and paste and put it somewhere else. I don't even want to save it on my hard drive. I don't want that garbage on my hard drive. Right. I never, I never want to see that bit of text ever in my life again. <laughs> <clears throat> I like to keep a clean hard drive too, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what else I going with that? Oh, yeah, with VS Code, um, you can uh, paste some text in. It usually detects it's kind of what the content type is, but it's really easy to set it. Um, it's called like, it took me a minute to find this because I'm thinking um, I was like I kept what is it command shift P that brings up just the, the window yeah. that does everything yeah. action window command window whatever it is um, but I uh, I was I was searching for like file type I want to set the file type of this and that's what they call they call it just language what's the language so, so yeah I set the language I think in this case I was like I want to set the language to JSON and then I can format it so I can actually read it. Cause a lot of times, you know, if you have like non pretty printed JSON, just like a, you know, mm-hmm. eight yeah. hundred thousand line or character line. So I want to get it formatted real quick and then look at something. And then maybe again, like I usually, it's my, my typical use case is like then copy and pasting part of that or some of that or whatever, or just even just looking at it formatted so I can see what I'm dealing with or whatever. But no, nah, it's been great so far. I mean, it's not, you know, it's still, it's no IDE. Um, that's for sure. And I don't, I wouldn't want to do like Java development or, mm-hmm. I mean, you certainly can, but it's not an ID, so um, oh, it's trying to be. I mean, they would. I think. I think Microsoft would disagree with you on that. Really? Yeah, yeah. They, it's. I think they're trying to be the best text editor in the world, and they probably and they probably achieve that. I'm really still excited about. Um, I'm definitely going to be open minded to JetBrains. What's it called? Fleet. I think it's called Fleet. So there, it's their kind of VS Code that um, I signed up for the beta. I can't get in though. Thanks, JetBrains. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that last <clears> time. So it's kind of their answer to VS Code, like a, just a super full featured text editor, but not an IDE. And I suspect Fleet will be free too, because it'll just be their, um, it's the drug dealer model, you know, mm-hmm. get them hooked on your text editor yeah. and then upsell them to your IDE. Yeah. <laughs> no, I use, I use Adam I, for my text Still Adam, ID. huh? Yeah. How's yeah. Adam doing these days? That's fine. I mean, it does, for what I want it to do, it does great. I mean, I use a combination of tools. I use Adam for... So Adam is Adam is an electron thing, right? Mm-hmm. And is VS Code electron? It mm-hmm. is, isn't it? That's crazy. Yeah, I think. VS I mean, speaking of based speaking of Adam, JavaScript, I think, I mean, they I think built it's all built on layers on top of all that. So Adam would be the lowest level of that. Adam is the lowest level of what? I believe VS Code was based on Adam, and I mean, there's 
I think there's significant differences now, but Adam was kind of like that low level base. Layer. Okay. Interesting. Um, it is, it is as much as JavaScript is just a garbage language. It is amazing that they, I mean, is, is, is VS code like a, just a big node app basically? Uh, I mean, that's what Electron, if it's based yeah, on Electron, so. it's just all JavaScript and, yeah. and web pages. Yeah. That's freaking amazing. It's VS crappy. Code is JavaScript and web pages. It's crappy. But it's actually not crappy. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to have to work on it. Uh, there's advantages to it, and there's there's certainly disadvantages to it. Well, I mean, the big advantage of JavaScript nowadays is the uh, talent pool for it. Yeah, well. Right? I mean, you you just, it's, so many people can work on it. It's ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. To whatever degree. I've been trying to beef up my JavaScript skills just because I hate it so much, but um, every book I've been getting that, that sounded um, that sounded a little masochistic. You've been trying to beef up on your JavaScript skills because you hate it so much. Do you do you often do things to yourself that you hate? Yeah. Okay. All the time. Do you do you talk to your therapist about that or? I don't have a ter- therapist. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we should. Uh, this is my therapy. <laughs> you know, this, this yeah, is that's my true. I'm, I'm on the couch, <laughs> and we're talking I, about I, it. So. I rant, and you, you call me down and give me some advice. And John's literally you just listen. John's literally sitting on my couch yeah. <laughs> in my in our studio here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. No, I mean lately the books, and I guess this goes back. This kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier: is that even the books I've been trying to get into that claim to be, you know books that get good ratings or, but they cover the basics, the basics of the stuff that I kind of already know. Um, but a lot of what I want to understand is the more advanced techniques and whether or not they're worth it or not. Cause there's a lot of, uh, syntactic sugar, I'll say with some of the later versions of modern JavaScript. You sure. I yeah. Don't know if they're worth it or not. Like is for each really better than, than a four, for loop, you know? Well, JavaScript, they're semantically different. One, you can get in trouble using. Uh, well, there's also scoping involved when you use those. Like when you use the 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 for each or the find or the the reduce and all those because they're they're, it, uh, they're create, scoped functions. Creates new. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, almost kind of, almost creates like a closure, I guess. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you kind of have to be careful with that. And there's just you know just well, I'm like yeah, the, and the arrow. God, I haven't done JavaScript in so long, but the oh, fat arrow, the fat arrow is actually also has scope implications as well. That's different than just like an uh, what would you call it? like an anonymous function or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, I, I was going to tell you though, I may um, I may actually have a little bit of spare time coming up, so I may um, take that opportunity to. I think I've been threatening this for a few weeks now, but jump in and do some Salesforce development. That'd be nice. I could use the help. Maybe you could see what I see sometimes. Yeah. <clears throat> in a, in a, that's a bloated statement there's, there's a lot behind that statement <laughs> <laughs> alright well John let's get to some topics <clears throat> Where, what are we 20 you minutes you news <clears throat> topics or because I have I have another experience to talk about if you want oh, uh, we can talk about your experiences no I mean you're on the couch to, trying to trade back and forth I don't, I don't have anything great I mean it's yeah that's just stuff that's been in the news I guess okay but, let's do news then I'll talk about my my other thing I'm afraid we will never come back from news but that's fine okay well, I thought this uh, MFA fatigue attack was interesting. I hadn't really... I didn't hear about this. Um, I've been under... <clears throat> okay, well, let me let me introduce it. So, 
there's a there's actually there's there's a, an attack underway what they call an MFA fatigue attack campaign and they're tar- targeting Microsoft Office 365 users. And let me just read what this article says. So the term MFA fatigue refers to the overload of notifications or prompts via MFA applications in multiple accounts that the user receives during the day to perform logins or approve different actions. It should not be confused with password fatigue, in which the user is overwhelmed with a number of passwords or pins they must remember. Um, MFA password fatigue and sorry, MFA fatigue and password fatigue do share a similar theme, and that's the the, the user is just fatigued or overwhelmed by volume, and will start um, setting security best practices aside and become careless. Blah blah blah. Okay. Um, so there's all these different things. You know, you got one-time passwords and SMS and all kinds of crap. Um, this says okay. Another choice is push notifications from an app this is where things get kind of dangerous this is the authentication method we'll be focusing on as it enables an an attacker to perform push notification spamming so what is that so it's a simple technique because it only requires the attacker um, to to manual or even automatically send repeated push notifications while trying to log into the victim's account so let's say Someone actually does get your password, mm-hmm. and they're logging in as you. But they they need you to accept the MFA prompt, so they just they're basically just like logging over and over and over, spamming you with those. Mm-hmm. Um, so the how do they get? Well, they have to get your password right. So those obviously credentials can be obtained via brute force, or by um, password reuse, or spraying, or any of these, or if they've um, uncovered like a like these password dumps that happen when systems get attacked mm-hmm. you know if you use if you use the same password then they you know whatever there's all kinds of ways which is why we have mfa and then once the attacker gains valid credentials they perform the push notification spamming repeatedly until the user approves the login attempt and lets the attacker gain access to the account this usually happens because the user is distracted or overwhelmed by the notifications and in some cases it can be misrepresented as a bug or a user can just be confused with legitimate authentication requests that's what you want to do like mix in your your fraudulent authentication request with something that the user might think is a valid authentication request. And this is what's really bad about MFA where all you get is just a pop-up that says, Oh, uh, do you prove this login? Mm. Yeah. And I've noticed that like the Microsoft authenticator has started, depending on what you're logging into, it started it on um, and whether the, the site you're logging to supports it. Um, the site will tell you that you've just logged into, hey, um, you need to prove the MFA prompt, but also choose the number 16, right? And so the, on the Microsoft Authenticator app, you can't just, you don't just get to approve. You have to pick out of like a list of four, mm. which number you're supposed to pick. So you would just tap 16. Oh, that sounds horrible. Well, it's actually a huge mitigation against this because you can't just, you can't just say approve, 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 approve. You actually have to look at, okay, which number was it that it told me to to, to approve? That's why I think just authenticator apps that generate codes and keeps them in sync. So codes enter them in is better. Yeah, yeah, that's way better. Um, Because you have to enter it into the the, whatever thing you just logged into. Mm -hmm. It's it's now prompting you with a something you have to enter a code into. Yeah, you can't just blindly approve it. Yeah, Um, I've always thought that the authenticator apps that just let you approve it was less secure. In fact, I really don't like them. What is uh, for that reason? So I mean, I don't, it's just too easy just to click approve. Acc- yeah. Sometimes even accidentally when you're just trying to look at the message. Um, what does do you have the Microsoft? Oh, sorry, the Salesforce Authenticator. Mm-hmm. What does it do? 
it does that. It asks you to approve it. It tells you, you know, what it is and where they try to sign and in. And it's from. just a tap, just a, a just a tap. I can do it on my watch. Oh, see, just those tap are, approve on my watch. Yeah, see, that's no bueno, man. That's that's actually that's. <laughs> I mean, it's better than no MFA, but it's that's the worst kind of MFA, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. And and in in terms of just generating the code and keeping that in sync, I think to me, I there there might be some security expert out there that has like issues with that too. But for me, um. You're not you don't have this interface, this external facing interface. You you put in the code into the site that's already that you're already authenticated in. So there's not this API that could t- potentially be intercepted. Um so to me that's more secure. And then two, um with tools like one password, it can generate it for me and put it in. So I'm le- it's less of an issue there as well in terms of I wanted to talk making about it easy. Because I wanted to think through how secure that is. But well, I, I, the I, idea of putting your entire, all your passwords under one password is kind of iffy, but that's not typically how people um, gain access to accounts, in my opinion. You, you don't hear about a successful attack against that. I mean, if you're if if your one password is shitty, then yeah, you're you're dumb and you're going to get your passwords hacked. Right. But the idea is, you know, you only have to remember one gnarly password the rest of your life. And it's that one. And you can, right. And you're not password sharing, which is the, which is usually the exactly. way they, they get into other things. They find some insecure system where you've logged in somewhere yep. and they take that password and they spam all your accounts with that password and they yep. get access to it. Yep. But anyway, back to, so um, if you have one password, the, the app called one password, for those who might be mm-hmm. confused, there's a password manager app called one password that John and I use. Um. Ooh, if you it it supports you know MFA these one time passwords, mm-hmm. uh, so you basically the way it works is you you register one password with whatever that site is. You register it as your MFA app, and then anytime you log into that site, if you're used especially in what so the way this works is you also have a one password browser plugin, mm-hmm. and so you go to a site, it prompts you for your credentials. Typically, you're going to use the one password browser plugin just to automatically fill those. Mm-hmm. Okay. You hit submit. The very next screen you get is the app is saying, "Hey, okay, what's your what's the MFA code we just sent you, or what or what's the current OTP?" Well, the one if you're using one password for your MFA app, one password just automatically plugs that value right into the to, to the screen there right. to the web page. And you just hit submit. Unless 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 you have both the well in Salesforce terms, they they didn't make that easy. To use alternative methods, if you're using both, if if you're configured to use both the authenticator, Salesforce authenticator app, and a pass, uh, yeah, there's a lot that Salesforce didn't make easy with the MFA thing. But um, I mean, at least you right. can configure you, uh, configure alternative, it, yeah, alternatives. Yeah. At least you can, right? But I don't recommend having both enabled because if you have both enabled, it defaults to the Salesforce authenticator, and the only way you can get to enter the code is by clicking on this one link. That, I don't know, like having trouble or something is what it's called. And that will get you to more options. Then you have to do another click to pick what option you want to try. And then you'll have the input to, to type in the code. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think, but I think one, I think that the way that one password does it is, is secure and not vulnerable to this kind of attack at all. Because one pa- the one password browser plugin, you know, it's looking at basically the, the, the host name of the site you're at. Um, yeah, and and what's great about that is 
because humans are actually bad at being tricked by something that is very close to the site they think they're at. Mm-hmm. Like what if someone registered like Microsoft with like a zero instead of one of the O's in there or something like that? Yeah. Uh, you know, lots of times your eyes just not going to catch that. You can easily get fished. You go to that and you, you know, plug in your credentials next. And then, then it's prompting you for your, for yeah. your code and you type it in. One password's not going to be tricked by that because it's just, it's doing a, you know, it's the computer comparing this, these strings is, does this exactly match this? Right. Is this exactly the site that we know this is supposed to be? If it is, then it automatically fills it. That's great. I mean, I don't know how you hack that. I mean, I'm sure there's a way, obviously, but I don't think it's um, near as vulnerable as I don't think it's vulnerable to the um, to this fatigue attack. Right. Yeah. Um, I also really like these hardware keys, hardware tokens, whatever they're called, oh, like Fido keys, um, Yuba keys, kind of the biggest one in that space. I think Google makes one as well. That's funny. I bought those as Christmas gifts for like nerdy family and stuff, but I don't have one myself. <laughs> I need to get one. But those are great too because there's a um, there's a couple of protocols involved. Fido is one of them. There's another one. I forget what it is, but it's basically a, a kind of a browser slash JavaScript pro, uh, almost like protocol um, that these keys represent. So you just stick it in your USB port, mm-hmm. and when you go to a site that and when you register for um, um, like a registered MFA app. This FIDO protocol um, just ties right into it, and you just tap. You just you just tap it, mm. and so that signals your your consent basically. And so it registers that MFA app. And, and I think any, I mean, I think all sites that support MFA support these things. And then, and then as a norm, part of a normal login, when you get to that MFA part, you just you just tap it again, and it just and it fills the code. And what's cool about these hardware tokens is. It's uh, there's a really like a secure enclave on them that is really not accessible. Like you can't when you plug it in, mm-hmm. there's no way no one can. If someone were to steal that key, well, first of all, they have the key, you're screwed. But they couldn't like, um, there's no way like via any kind of USB protocol to like pull that pr- pull the private key off there. It's completely it's air it's air gapped yeah. from anything else really in a way I guess some kind of secure enclave right. But but it can but it's so it's got that private key embedded in it and so it can sign these requests it can um, which is really used during the initial that initial setup of MFA with another mm-hmm. with a, with an application um, it has to be able to sign sign a request and um, get the private key and all that stuff but or or the public key of the site that you're um, you're visiting but those are really secure super probably more so than apps. I think it's how you treat the hardware, though. I because mean, with the hardware left behind and stuff, you're well, just... sure, yeah. Most people put it on their keychain or their um, like a necklace or something, a little lanyard, yeah, retractable lanyard or whatever. But I mean, there's arguments, and I think they're pretty sound arguments that they're it's safer than app based MFA. I mean, it's considered like by security experts. That, you know, I always hear that as like being basically the, the most secure way to do it. There's there's still just concerns about even though it's um it's all transport encrypted and everything um just having these requests going going across the internet mm-hmm. obviously the SMS is probably the worst when it comes to that before long we'll be entering passwords eyeball scans fingerprint checking yeah 
blow breathalyzers into it. Oh, there, there'll be all kinds I'm of things. I'm screwed if they require a clean <laughs> breathalyzer test to get in. Um, it's it, it, at some point, the 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 mechanisms for security can 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 cause less security, I guess. And that, that's what this fatigue is yes, talking about. Yes, yep. It's kind of, it's backfired on us. Um, it's kind of like the DRM of, of, you know, that was so popular back in the nineties or something, the nineties and the two thousands when all these software mm. companies were just, just ludicrous Re- DRMs and it was making it hard for consumers to use the product. DVD regions. Yeah. And, and those that were stealing it, they still found ways to get around it and they still got their stolen product. It's just at some point it's yeah. just like, I don't know. Well, also, yeah, DVDs were, um, had all kinds of DRM built on them and that was hacked. What, what yeah. instantaneously basically. Now this is, slightly different beast i think but i just i just i don't know what the right way is to secure everything but it seems like we're we're putting a lot of more responsibility on users um well you bring up a great point which is um inconvenience is a huge security problem yeah. Yeah. if what you're doing is not convenient if you're what you're requiring is not convenient then that is a that is a security problem and i think for people that are security minded like you and i um, or people with imaginations, <laughs> uh, we can we understand the need for it, or we understand what it's trying to do. But I mean, how many clients have you gotten that that really didn't seem to care? Like I would bring up the subject of, well, you know, we need we need to put something in front of this, or we need this authenticated because this has like customer lists on it, or this has names on it, or this has this on it. And they're yeah. like, well, so. They just don't understand the 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 problem, the risk, right? But it. it's just that there, there there's a, I think there's I think the percentage of people who don't care or don't even see the issue or don't even see the I can't imagine why someone would do what they do and how they would use that um, is greater than those who have the imagination to go. Yeah. This is how they could exploit that. Right. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. That's why it's the job of you know administrators and product owners and all that, all these types of people, right, to enforce. These policies, sure. Because yeah, a lot of people just are not just not going to understand why it's important and why they should do certain things. It's a challenge, though. Educating is that what it is? Education. I mean, I think so. You know, I mean, because you it, at minimum, I mean, you'd like people to, you know, understand that there's value. You know, understand that this is adds some inconvenience a little bit. Or maybe even some cost. Add some cost, but there's there's a lot of value there. Yeah, you know, insurance premiums. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Adds a cost, but if you, you total car, or if your house burns down, or if your roof gets destroyed by an ice uh, hailstorm, like that happens around here about every two months. It's not a bad analogy because it's not a perfect. It's not a perfect system either. No, I mean, if not. you have to make a claim, it's a <clears throat> painful process. Depends. I feel like the good insurance companies do a really good job of it nowadays. I think. So. Well, well, how about health insurance? <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's a, a better example. That's a shit show. At least in this country. Yeah. We have a terrible system. All right, let's move on, John. Um, Salesforce teams with AWS on direct to consumer streaming media solution. I just want to bring this up because I thought this was kind of cool. Um, so Salesforce, this is part of their. Remember, they caught, they hired this or they bought, bought, acquired, hired, acquired. Words difficult. Acquired a company <laughs> called. This isn't hard to say too. Velocity. 
Mm. There's there's no e yeah. in there in there after the v. So you have velocity. You have to just like. Well, it's because you say it so fast. That's yeah. how it sounds. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> Does that make it an onomatopoeia? It's it sounds like it look. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's part of this velo- velocity acquisition. But they have some. They had velocity had some kind of like media industry solution of some sort. So, like, if you wanted to, um, if you wanted to have your own Salesforce Plus, is that what this is? Ca- kind of. That's what it sounds like. It's like if you want to have your own, you know, media serving subscription service. You know, you can Salesforce has an app for that. Yeah. But what Salesforce didn't have was all the technology and infrastructure to to serve and stream that media. You could manage your subscriptions and entitlements and all that kind of stuff, but you know, they didn't have the. They're, they're, they don't have the service. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, AWS does, I guess, of course. Of course. And so they're teaming with AWS. And now you can – we should ha- start a service called MyCode Plus. <laughs> <laughs> what will we have on it? John's code. <laughs> Just stream my, my code. code? My code, yeah. Just a stream of my code. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Think about it. Maybe we could do a little uh, tutorial of videos. No, bad idea. Is is this not our exit strategy? Our retirement no, I th- plan? I think it is. I just, I, I think, <laughs> I think there's a, there's something there. Yeah, just trying to imagine it. All right, I'm not not all that proud of my code, so I always want to trash it and throw it away after writing it. But everyone, that's the thing, John. You don't understand this. Everyone loves an underdog. Everyone loves you know that struggle. You got to have a good struggle and a good story. Oh, I've got plenty of struggles. I know. I'm so as of late, I've had plenty of struggles where I've written something, rewritten it. Realized I made a stupid mistake, or just not a stupid mistake, but I, <clears throat> uh, I've been trying to build things a little bit more flexible in certain scenarios. Especially, and components are horrible for doing that. The the model for Lightning co- components, um, with the controller, the Apex controller, and the component trying to trying to merge those two worlds as a single global component that can be reused. It sucks. That's it's not. It's not a good. It's not a good model. It's not hard to get you on an LWC rant these days, John. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, just, it's just it keeps pulling you in. <laughs> and here's what I hate. I hate using the the LWC APIs because I think that puts too much logic on the client side. So I I want to use controllers because I want to keep the logic on the server side. However, that means that if I'm going to create a universal component that I want to transport between projects, I have to make sure to keep all of that stuff together and deploy all that separately. I, uh, there's there's no like one good way to say here's my self-contained component widget and to transport that it just it doesn't 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 exist um but even with that when trying to make things a little more more portable and stuff it just you get into this realm of you know what do you return as a response you, then you start getting to world of interfaces and and all that kind of stuff and then and th- now you have more things to keep track of and to deploy it's just it's it it's just one of those things so anyways, popping the stack on that, I've built things in, in ways that, that I'm not proud of because I was trying to reach that kind of global component, easy, easily portable, can be extended, um, gives you options for like overriding certain things or certain functions and hand, does like, you know, JavaScript event notifications yeah. and whether or not you've handled it, then I'll handle it defaults and all that kind of stuff. It's just. Just handle it, John. Uh, yeah, it's just, just handle it. That's that's really hard to do, even when the platform's not fighting you. Yeah. So uh, I feel your pain, man. No, you don't. You get to work on cool stuff. 
I mean, sometimes, kinda. When? When what? When has when has your integration development frustrated you from a from oh, a coding perspective? <clears throat> Not from a requirements perspective, from a coding perspective. I mean, your tools compile fast. Your, yeah, that's your, true. I'm your, working with, you know, yeah. I'm mainly in Kotlin nowadays, but yeah. um, I'm, I'll tell you what, Java 17 is pretty killer. I mean, Java is always going to be Java in terms Case of like, sensitivity in your language. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a little things, huh? <laughs> uh, instant, you can run your, your unit test instantly. That's true. Um, you, can, you can stand up a whole environment. You can create one good known build and that's deploy true. that. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I, I do. Can't, I can't do that. Like, well, like when our like when an integration build passes everything. I mean that same exact that same exact blessed bits is just then just deployed to production. Yeah. That's the way. Uh, that's the way we do it, John. That's not the way I do it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, they're working on it, John. They're working on it. No, they're not. Just, yeah, they are. No. Yes. Wall Street doesn't care about that. Yeah. Until Wall Street cares, there's no, there's no hope. Yeah, we're, we're we lucky need, we got to where we are now. I think we need I, to, you know, since we're all about um, stakeholders, not shareholders. We need to. I, I would. I need to see a rank of the stakeholder types: celebrities, um, <clears throat> people who go to Davos, <laughs> uh, Wall Street, uh, I want, um, um, activists. Oh, okay, and then uh, customers. Yeah, and then. Um, Journalists, and then developers. Hmm, that is interesting. Not sure. Or maybe trailblazers, then developers. Oh, for sure. Trailblazers yeah. are higher than developers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're all trailblazers, John. No, we're not. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, Salesforce has gotten a little bit of hot water with this Ohana, John, over this NFT thing. Uh, what? Yeah. So I guess uh, we're going to have an NFT cloud. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, did we talk about this? And we mentioned it, I think. I think we mentioned they were planning it. They were planning right? it, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but um, I don't know, hundreds of employees uh, at Salesforce have signed a an open letter. That's odd. Open letters, John. That's odd. Uh, that we're they, gonna, would, they would be resistant to it. Open letters are going to save the world, don't you think? Uh, no. Yeah. They're citing environmental and economic concerns. Mm. Because it takes like you know the energy of a seven forty seven just to mint one NFT. So don't they know? You just need to plant more trees. Well, we'll if, get, we, if we up the John, number to two million, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay, so Salesforce announced last week it plans to launch an NFT cloud sales platform. Whoa, wait, wait. This is the first time I noticed that an NFT cloud sales platform. So you can sell your that's NFTs. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of words. Let's you just create and sell NFTs, which are non fungible tokens. You cannot mm-hmm. you cannot fund these tokens, John. No. The NFT market ballooned to forty one billion dollars last year. That's that is insane. Is that real? People real. did people spend forty one billion dollars billion dollars yes. buying NFTs? Yes. Wow, they there are some scammed. There are some so dumb much people. Money. Dumb and they people. continue to do it. They they're doing these pump and dumps on these things, just like just like um uh the the coin mining or the the coin minting, um it all got shifted to NFTs. Mm. <laughs> okay, uh, NFTs have been widely criticized for their carbon footprint as well as their unregulated and risky nature. A new study found that millions of trees would have to be planted to offset the carbon emissions of NFTs. 
So we're we're good, John. That, they just had millions of trees. Salesforce is going to be planting a one trillion trees. So, but that's for the the current standard with it. The add uh-huh. NFTs on top of it, and you have to plant a, a more more trees. Yeah, a few million, to, to, hey, two trillion. What's a few million trees amongst friends, John? <clears throat> Salesforce said it plans to hold a listening session with employees this week. Oh, that'll be fun. So, I, you know what? I think between open letters and listening sessions, I think we can solve all the world's problems. They're gonna have bongos and. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I shouldn't be cynical about no, it. No, they should. They should take everyone to the. Or they should take all these people who signed this to the ranch. Yeah. And have a big listening session. Yeah. That sounds. I don't nice. mean to be cynical about it because yeah. it, it is a good thing that they're going to listen and let people voice their concerns and 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 what maybe have a discussion. Hey, I don't know as but, much about this guy, this new this product guy that becomes co CEO. Um, what's his name? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. It's the Salesforce co oh, um, um Brett. Brett Taylor, yeah. yeah. Sorry. But I mean, because I just don't have enough history with him. But um, unlike me and Benioff, we go way back, you know. Uh, but no, Benioff, I mean, you know, he's got a history of, I think, showing that he listens. I mean, I think, I think Parker had a history of showing he listens. No, oh, I, I agree with that, too. I think, I think Benioff had somewhat of a history, but I, I think. I think market still drove a lot of the decisions, and so he kind of he kind of took the hit on that. But I think he listened. Yeah, I mean, he still had to make the the corporate decision. I mean, not the emotional decision. I mean, one of the big on ones was occasions. one of the big ones was you know buying Twitter, right? He 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 listened, and he changed his mind. <laughs> yeah, um, he's cited several examples where he's listened to employees and changed his mind about things. Mm-hmm. So just to, just to be fair, I know we're we're we you know we kind of have fun with some of these topics, but. Well, I, th- I think the issue is with is is with how NFTs are being used, just like how how coins that, are being used, how the blockchain is being used. It's so, all based on blockchain, so yeah, it's all so same they thing. so it's they just, did cite um, economic concerns was one of theirs. Um, I didn't have I didn't have this highlighted, but here's one of their quotes: the amount of scams and fraud in the NFT space is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, it also highlighted environmental concerns and cited research showing that the uneven distribution of the financial benefits of NFTs. So it's about well, equity, John. I mean, this is one. I'm with the environmentalists on this one. I'm too. Coins, I mean, blockchain, and NFTs are horrible for our planet. Um. Okay. Isn't that just because we haven't solved our fossil fuel problem yet? It, I mean, because no, a lot it doesn't matter whether we solve it or not. It's perpetual need of energy. Well, because there's these there's people- no like I, I have a dollar. My dollar can sit in my pocket and doesn't require energy. I need a dollar, dollar, dollar. That's what I need. Hey, hey. If I have a coin somewhere online, that requires energy perpetually. It's got to be some bits on some server or some hardware somewhere or some hard drive somewhere, and something's got to be churning through and 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 reading that ledger. Yeah, it's horrible for the environment. Well, we're taking something that 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 has no impact other than the paper it was printed on, but that's very low low cost uh, environmentally to something that that has to be powered indefinitely to be useful. If we had some catastrophic failure or some ca- catastrophic world ending event, all your Bitcoin's gone. Sorry, can't do anything with it. Well, yeah, but a lot of other stuff's gone at that point too. So. Okay, but okay, let me. So let's just say 
the attacks on the the attacks that have happened on the past on power grids, where you have where the entire thing shut down. I mean, how how big of an inconvenience is it when the credit card reader doesn't work at the gas station? I mean, I can't get gas. Well, that's my. I don't carry enough cash. That's one of my big first world problems, John. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, what about these people who have set up mining operation, Bitcoin mining operations? Um, they actually go put up their own uh, windmills. It's not enough energy. No, it is. There it's are people not. that are completely. Yes, they supp- are. Some of them are like in Greenland or something where they're using thermal energy and stuff. They set up their own power plants for this stuff. They've also set up um, situations where, yeah, they've got um, areas that do have a lot of renewable energy sources. And they run their mining operations when demand for those is is low. because. Again, the problem with those things is, you know, there's not, it's not a lot of capacity to store that energy when you do have excess generation. Mm-hmm. And so when when there's excess uh, supply, the, the price of it goes way down because they can cut deals with the energy supplies, right? Hey, sure. you, you, you're going to have to dump this. Sure. Um, you're going to have to go to ground with it. <laughs> so instead of doing that, we'll, we'll buy it from you, less expensive, and we'll just we'll saturate your, you know, whatever your excess supply is. Sure. Well, who's that hurting? Just like my wife saying, I bought this, but I saved like 20% on it. It's like you would have saved 100% if you didn't buy it. But yeah, but they're using 0% of, they're, they're creating zero carbon. So in this case, it would be, that's not a good analogy. Because like, what if your wife just got something 100% for free? Like, then you'd be like, okay, well, I can't argue with that. Fine. Well, yeah, it's free. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, if it's, if it's actually producing zero carbon. How is it producing zero carbon? Because they're using 100% renewable energy. There's no such thing. Yes, there is. No, there but isn't. wind? You afraid we're going to sl- slow down the rotation of the earth by putting too many windmills up? Okay. How many minerals were mined to create that that motor, to create the windmill? How much fiberglass was used? How do that's you recycle a that? It's no, a different it's argument. It's no, a different, not when it comes to carbon neutral numbers. Well, okay. Yes, when it comes to net carbon neutrality. Yeah. When you offset with a bunch of other fake stuff. But the reality is you had to make that. You have to maintain that. And it costs things to do that. It does. But as more and more of those things... You know, whether it's mining operations, all this other stuff are moving to yeah. renewable. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it, to me, it's a it's a false argument to claim that it's that it's neutral. It's neutral. It's, well, it's, it's, no, it's not, it's not <laughs> impactful to the environment if you don't do it at all. Hey, Salesforce is net neutral, John. Net neutral. No. Um, yeah, I don't like this net. It's, stuff. It's like the net carbs. We talked about that. <laughs> Remember net carbs? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I made 12 Twinkies, <clears throat> but I'm going to offset it with celery. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, and the truth comes out. John likes Twinkies. Now I know what your I know what your uh, weak spot is. What? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it. Now you have to because that sounds bad. It can be taken. <laughs> it's not that bad. It can be taken a lot of different ways. It's also you and I probably share this: a good, fresh, warm chocolate chip cookie. Oh mm. yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm mm. a cookie person. I'm really not a cookie person, except if they're really good. Then I'm like, okay. I'm gonna eat these cookies. <laughs> if you put they have to be really if you good. Put cake and cookies in front of me, I will 100 percent go for the cookies. I can oh, I can do without cake. Uh, me too. I have no use for cake. Yeah. Um. Okay. There's a separate article. This was Fast Company, but it had a couple other points on this. It's interesting. Um. So, Salesforce co-founder Mark Benioff has seemed enthusiastic about the growing NFT space. Another one of his properties, Time Magazine 
recently unveiled a Web3 initiative that lets fans own digital artwork. Mm. So he's he's all in on the uh, on the the Web three and the the tokens and the crypto. It's stupid. Well, maybe this will be more successful than their uh, their blockchain. Is that still wait? Maybe that maybe they're secretly just killing it in the blockchain business. It's just they have uh, it's all NDA. It's all well, blockchain. I mean the the whole co- the whole concept of NFT right now is a scam, but it potentially could have uses in in. Salesforce. Where we're supposed to be going into the future with these meta worlds, you'll have digital worlds and digital experiences, and in which case you will need, you will want to monetize these with some kind of digital currency and digital assets. In which case, that's where blockchain and NFTs will come in. However, it's still early days, and right now it's being used as primarily as a way to scam people. May twenty ninth, twenty nineteen. Salesforce, the global leader in CRM today, announced Salesforce Blockchain, a low-code platform that enables organizations to share verified distributed data across data sets across a trusted network of partners and third parties. Sounds well, that great. That was the hope, was that we'd find some business use for but it. But Salesforce still has trailheads on this, like, like it still exists. Maybe it does. I'm sure it does exist. Okay. I, mean, I, I didn't know. I thought it was... I, thought it was uh, I just don't know who's using it. I don't either. Um... I was going to ask you something. Do, um, do you not think there are valid applications of NFT? Yeah, that's what I was spouting off when I was ch- cutting you off. Oh, okay, I missed that. <laughs> I was saying that that blockchain as a as a digital currency and NFTs as a way to have ownership of an asset, a digital mm-hmm. asset, um, I think will come into play in the future as we get into more VR, and that becomes more commercial oh and the meta what's it called meta the metaverse metaverse is, is one thing one of them but okay. i think i do think that digital these these virtual environments they they have the potential to be the next thing but they also have the potential to be non-starts i mean because the way they're approaching it now it the movie i was thinking of last time i brought up this up was i think it was called disclosure and in that movie um they had this virtual database and you could you wore the VR stuff and you went in you went in, you went in to get stuff in the database and part of the story was he was trying to find evidence that uh, of something some corruptions going on and all this kind of stuff well he logs in and he goes into the database but he's he's going and looking through file cabinets yeah. in the database to yeah. access data right. I'm like that's not efficient that's not what makes computers great if it does if they use the do but some of the system. demos today of vr is like i'm walking through a virtual uh grocery store and i can pick this off the shelf wow i'm like that's not how people shop they want to shop and go give me my can of of campbell's and click and add it to the cart they're done in like a minute but now i have to go and walk down the aisle virtually pick it up virtually yeah. add it, put it in my shopping cart virtually and then push my shopping cart to the to the cashier it, virtually imagine if amazon shopping worked that way i know it's just it's some of the the things that they're touting as all these experiences are stupid because they're, stupid. they're not efficient. Yeah. They're not, they're not making, they're not, it's not technology making life better or easier. Yeah. It's technology to mimic it. It's, um, it's too much, uh, skeuomorphism. Yeah. To yeah. an extreme. Yeah. That was one thing I disagreed with on the human interface book, um, by, uh, Braskin Braskin was that he advocated for computers to work, to use skeuomorphism because, and, it, and he, he advocated against modes in computers. Which I, or in which I like. Uh, 
to a certain degree because degree. those modes and those modes in context are important because it adds efficiency I mean, to mo- productive modes users. Just layer complexity though. That's the, that's the downside to them. It, there's a balance because new his his approach was new users coming to a computer and you got to remember this. He wrote this way back in the day when computers were still fairly new and people didn't were scared of them. Um, he was trying to make that experience easier for new people to come in to be able to use a computer and understand the concepts yes, within it, make it relatable. But so that did not make it thing. productive for power users. Oh, sure, right. And so I think there's a balance there to be had. Yep. I will say, you know, because he was an Apple guy, right? Yeah. Raskin. Yeah. Um. I I feel like in general, I've got my complaints, but Apple has done a probably better job than anyone I can think of of, of balancing that power users versus novice users. I th- uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah. Um, one other thing, then we'll get rid of the NFT thing. Um, some some Salesforce employees threatened to quit if the company didn't rethink its move, warning that a failure to do so could result in increased attrition. Mm. Quote, I'll find a company that lives by its stated values. Unquote. I mean, that's 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 good. I mean, if your company's company you work for has done something you don't agree with, then yeah, move on. It will most likely be an uphill battle for employees opposed to the plan. The NFT industry has con- converted numerous big businesses in the past few years, with sales swelling to nearly $25 billion in 2021. $25 billion. That thing said, that thing said $43 billion. It's really sad. Just journalists need to get their uh, numbers straight. You're seeing what happens when journalists actually do their job. <laughs> Play my new uh, journalist clip there. All right. Well, I think we were out NFTs. Yeah. Well, we had the big Slack outage. Yeah, we can't not talk about that. I mean, did we get any? Well, I didn't follow up, but when were there any um, postmortems on this from Slack? I didn't see any. Um, did you? What's the? Are they Slack dot com? Uh, Status dot Slack dot com. If you're looking for that, but I don't. I don't think they published what the what the issue was. Man, I feel like anytime you. Um, you have an outage like that. You you owe you owe a listening session, John. That's true to your customers. Yeah, I'm looking through the history. Uh, it just says that they're they. I don't think it has a postmortem on what happened, other than that there's an outage. We traced the problem to a change we'd implemented. We reverted this, resolving the issue for all affected customers. So, oh, interesting. So I I thought because there was also a less publicized. Amazon AWS outage of some sort. I think it was. I think it was minor, but I, I wondered if they were related. It doesn't appear to be. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. hmm. Well, that sucks. As a developer, to deploy something and have it crash the system, that sucks. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that does suck. Um, we're imperfect beings, and we make mistakes. And despite all the layers of testing and validation and automation, you know, sometimes things happen. Yeah, and really, I mean, sure, it, you can, if you want to find a person to blame it on, I'm sure there was someone who made some decision to deploy something or whatever, but anytime you have a failure like that, there, there's no way that's blamed on one person, unless you're talking about like the, you know, um, like the CEO or mm. CTO or something um, that ultimately accumulates responsibility for the organization, right? But I yeah. mean, it's no it's no one person's fault when something like that happens. That's That's a failure. That's a failure of policies, of systems, of procedures. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm sure they'll, you know, it, 
uh, those kind of things are kind of in- inevitable. I think the, the, it's occasional. I mean, if that kind of thing happened. Yeah, they're going to happen. I mean, there's, even, there's no even, way. There's no way you can 100 percent. There's there's really no way you can 100 percent prevent it. Um, but you have to be careful that you don't in trying to prevent it, you introduce so much bureaucracy that you can't get anything done. That that's the right. That's the that, that's always that double edged sword of you know, whether it's you know um, security or like reliability. I mean, mm-hmm. what at what cost? Right. That yeah. you, that no one can ship any code. Yeah, it's too difficult. You know, or I mean, you got to innovate. You got to got to keep moving. A stopping's not an option. Yeah. So that's the way Salesforce is. There's no rollbacks. <laughs> yeah. No rollbacks. Just, no. Just roll forward. Keep moving forward. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that that I, I mean, I knew a lot of people use Slack, but after seeing kind of all the Twitter threads and everything that you kind of pointed me to, um, I'm, there's a lot of people use Slack for a lot of different things. I mean, our company was basically down. We were down. Yeah, I mean, if I had emergencies, I could have texted people, but I just was like, "Well, I, there's I need to get some answers on some things." I, and- I had to laugh at myself <clears throat> because I felt like there was no way for me to communicate with them. But but the reality is, we did. I didn't think about we this. Had, we, have uh, Zoom. we had messages. We had Zoom. We have email. We had we still have all these things. Yeah, yeah. But we were so, or at least I'm, from my perspective, I'm so trained on Slack that I felt like I I can't talk to anybody. I, I felt muzzled. I felt like I couldn't talk. Yeah, <laughs> like but I, I didn't think about this question but- or ask somebody something. I was like. Oh, and Asana. That was the other thing. That yeah. Was. But you can go into Zoom and it shows your, if you're, if you're logged into a, a company account, it shows all your people in your company in there it and is. you can just like chat with them. I mean, you know this because you worked at a company that used, was that here? Yeah. Holy shit. Slammed the door. I know. Um, yeah. You used Zoom as basically like a Slack at one of your previous employers, yeah. which I thought was crazy balls. Uh, well, it, it was, it wasn't bad. I mean, there was only a, a small, small number of us. I know, and you, I know you have more standards and taste than that, John. We, I mean, we used it for quick communication and then we would hop on a Zoom. I mean, we really didn't, we weren't really communicating across. This was an ISV, first of all. <laughs> we were focused on one product and one thing. Um, we weren't like spanning multiple projects or had multiple streams of, of consciousness going or anything like that. We didn't have to orchestrate that. So for that, it was fine. For what we're doing today here at this company, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend using Zoom for that. Oh, here's an interesting little nugget. Slack stock fell 14% after earnings in September of 2019 when it showed an $8 million hit to revenue because of credits to customers after service-level disruptions. Oh. Those sort of hits would now impact Salesforce, is what it says. <clears throat> sure. <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like when you're... When Salesforce acquires a company, the, all that company's SLA agreements immediately uh, vanish, disintegrate. Does Slack have an SLA? Apparently it did. Oh, yeah, I guess if they had to do payouts, yeah. I'm sure Salesforce legal team's working on dismantling that as quickly as possible. Also, I think this was the same day. If not, it was like the day after, but Heroku was completely down for like 30 minutes, mm. which is also pretty bad. Also rare for Heroku. Heroku's great. Do you agree with, with the idea of SLAs having having some kind of monetary impact or monetization to it? I don't know how to say Sure. I think it's penalty. a penalty. I think it's a an absolutely fine contracting mechanism. You're paying for something that's super important and it's it's of the benefit 
to one of the parties to for the other party to have an incentive to have a high service availability. Like, like if you were selling me like I don't know a big old OC sixteen or whatever the hell they are, you know, internet line for mm-hmm. my huge building. I need you to have skin of the game if the service goes down. I need you to have an incentive to keep that service up. Yeah. Because yeah, right. I'm kind of locked into you. It's not easy to switch. Yeah. And I need you to care about keeping that service going. Yeah. Yeah. That perspective makes sense. Well, John, let's get to your, your um, whatever that was you were going to, I mean, I've got some more stuff here. I do. Um, well, list off and we'll choose because I don't know that mine's going to be all that big because it's, it's, my conversations around Salesforce tend to be one-sided because you don't really do Salesforce. So, well, let's let's do the four <laughs> red flags for Salesforce's future. Okay, thanks to Motley Fool, and then we'll uh, we'll do your thing. I haven't even read this; it just came, it hit today. Well, what are the flags first? Well, of all? here we go. Number one, a series of price target cuts. Several prominent analysts recently slashed their price targets for Salesforce. Yeah, I've heard that okay. people have kind of been holding on on buying <clears throat> Salesforce right now. You know, it's odd because I think they're down. You think they'd be buying when it's down, but we also we haven't checked in on my on my Salesforce position in a while. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's down. <laughs> That's actually a good question. I I I, I look up at up today two eighty five. I'm, I'm the kind of investor, other than when I'm just having fun. Um, I got to do some MFA here. Hang on, That's annoying. I'm the kind of investor that I, uh, like I said, unless I'm just playing around or whatever, I uh, I look like once a year. <laughs> All right. Yes, trust this device. Blah, blah, blah. I got logged out. What? How did I just get logged out? Because he didn't, he didn't trust the device. <laughs> okay. Positions. CRM. This is not the gosh. It's been too long since I've logged into this. Uh, my account positions. Come on. Yeah, my Salesforce is it is down. And how long have I owned this for a while, huh? Mm-hmm. Got them down twelve percent. How'd that happen? It just happens. I know. Apparently so. Just wait well, till Dreamforce. That's not it'll, good. It'll, Luckily, my it'll go up around Dreamforce. I, so I created a little group here because I bought Apple and Salesforce at the same time, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and for the while, my Salesforce is beating my Apple position. But Apple, my Apple position is up thirty-one percent, and my Salesforce position is down twelve percent. Um, I would say another red flag for Salesforce, just if we're talking just um, stock, is that it's basically traded sideways for two years now at this point. Mm. I don't. I don't know if that's going to change. I mean, they have, they still have a fair amount of good goodwill, right? That they have to. I mean, well, yeah, you do have to write down goodwill at some point over time, I think. But um, no, it's just that profit bending that profitability curve. That's what. That's what I've always been a little bit scared about. Yeah, but, I mean, they, they like, this. They, they they've been doing this this growth trend by acquisition, and and, and they'll adding to that goodwill bucket. It's just it, well, at some point, it's yeah. going to come back, right? Yeah, oh I no, mean, wait a minute. No, I forgot. I forgot. We're not playing with real money anymore. It's the potential of growth. That's so, what your value is. So forget goodwill because goodwill is kind of like weird, funny money. I mean, you 
Yeah, it's so goodwill is that it's the amount that you overpay for an asset mm-hmm. over about you know over its like what its actual book value is. So Which let's say you, was oh well, I mean all the acquisitions have yeah you're well, overpaying been, you're overpaying yeah. uh, usually. Um, so yeah, you do you can accumulate a lot of goodwill and and I don't know what the AICPA or whatever they have rules on how over what time period that has to be written down, but just I'm 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 more focused on Salesforce is just their operational profitability. And also I think I've used to talk about this a lot, but like just have you proved that the business model works yet? Um, um, I, I guess, I mean, we've proved that we can create billionaires out of it, but um, is that's, well, you know, do you have a long-term sustainable business model that produces profits that doesn't require constant growth um, via Funny money acquisitions. That's not that's not modern accounting. I know it's not theory. the way I this works. Modern accounting is funny money, and I fully based on I, your stock value. I fully admit I don't understand modern investing at all. Um, what we pay for things, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm you know, I'm just trying to get my simple little brain to understand how this works, and it's I, I continue to fail. Okay, second red flag is Microsoft's growth in the CRM market. So Salesforce controlled twenty three point nine percent of the CRM market in the first half of twenty twenty one. Oracle ranked second with 5.5. Wow, that's so low. And Microsoft and SAP tied for third place with 5% each. Um, So Salesforce leads impressive, but take a look at the growth of Microsoft Dynamics in the Sierra market reveals a troubling trend. And if I'm looking at this trend, what's this growth? Growth. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they're, oh, that's interesting. Dynamics 365 is growing. In the past year, their growth rate's gone from 39% to 40, 49% growth. So they're, they're growing like crazy, but they're still so far behind. Okay. Number three, rumored NFT plans. Salesforce has increasingly relied on big tech acquisitions such as MuleSoft and Slack to expand its ecosystem and boost revenue. Um, but as it grows beyond its core CRM, it, it also exposes itself to tougher competition from Microsoft, Adobe, and cloud giants. That's wrong. That's fake news. Yeah. What did Benioff say? That bears... The bears argue that inorganic expansion, which is like acquisitions, right, um, gradually diversifies. Is that a word? <laughs> oh, interesting. Is that a plan? Diversify? They put it in quotes. Diversifies its business, meaning diversification actually worsens a company by adding more risk without increasing returns. So Salesforce's r- rumored development of a dedicated cloud platform for NFTs supports that bearish argument. And then they talk about the employees complaining. Interesting. Okay. And then number well, four. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, it might explain why Benioff on occasion will say we do one thing and that's CRM. Well, he's never said that. Why would he say something like that, John? Why wouldn't he? Salesforce only does one thing, which is CRM. No, I guess he did say that. Try to key up for that earlier. I know. Um, this last one I think is the most... I would say uh, material or significant one, mm-hmm. uh, a lack of insider confidence. Salesforce's insider. insiders sold more than 10 times as many shares as they bought over the past 12 months. It's not a matter of confidence. Over the trying pa- to get their, their checks. Over the past three months, those insiders sold a whopping 26 times as many shares as they purchased. Because they understand modern accounting. Yeah. Uh, that, sell it now. That lack of insider confidence, which coincides with the stock's decline of more than 30, 34% over the past three months, raises a big, bright red flag. I don't, I don't, 
I don't, I think in the past that was an indicator. I don't think it's an indicator anymore. Most of these people are banking on that stock price, on that, on that fake virtual funny money. And they're selling as soon as they can. Yeah. It's not a matter. It's not a matter of confidence. It's not a matter of insider knowledge or anything. But like what that. about it's the, tr- a- what about the ship? What if they were, you know, if, if insiders were buying more than they were selling for the longest time. And now all of a sudden we've had a sudden shift to their buying 26 times more or they're selling 26 times more than they're selling. Do you not think the shift is in indicative of anything? I guess the shift can be indicative. I just, I just don't think it's, it's as indicative as it used to be in the past. Okay. Cause I think, I think companies were probably evaluated a little bit uh, better in the past based on revenue versus um, what's been the commonality thing is just this growth trend or yeah. this market share that they've been evaluating people on. I'm I'm definitely still. I mean, I'm I'm a long term bull on Salesforce. I guess I, I've accepted that I don't understand how uh, just the subscription revenue business is is weird, and there's a lot of games played with it. A lot of this um, yeah. um, non gap stuff, you know, and and just the metrics um, that you have to measure SaaS companies by. Just the the old metrics don't apply near as much. So I get that there's just a lot of that. I I. I don't understand. I don't follow it enough. It's not my job, really. But I just, I think they're, um, I feel like they're core business. And, you know, they're, a lot of their leadership, I just think, is good. And look at where it's gotten them. And, and I mean, they, they may have to make some painful adjustments. I'm not saying that's not coming. I, I do think there will be painful adjustments. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's normal. It's part of a normal life cycle of a company. Sure. Where they, you, you're like, okay. I mean, because at some point you can't grow at 30% a year anymore. Now I say that, yeah. I watch them just keep growing at 30% a year, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't forget what their growth rate is now. It's, I think it's closer to 20%, but I mean, even that's pretty impressive given that they're a, you know, they're doing, what was the seven, uh, Salesforce revenue these days? Yeah. But I mean, to that point, they've been making much larger acquisitions and that's kind of, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's a big part of the revenue. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and can't continue that for forever. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, you know, I think you know, they'll have to make some painful adjustments and, and that, you know, I think that that kind of thing will have um, transient uh, hits to their stock price. But I think for long-term investors, you know, which I am, I, when I, you know, I typically, I, I, I rarely buy and sell within a year. Like I'm, I'm like a five to 10 year guy, if not lifetime, although you can't take it with you. Damn it. No, you'll have to pull from it once you retire, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's that's I I I view it as a long term thing as well. I just I just the 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 overcorrection and the the kind of panicking that happens because these these valuations are so iffy. I think is is just causes so much uh, maybe confusion. Maybe I don't know. It just it just doesn't seem healthy. Mm. It seems like it's it's a yeah. very brittle thing that will come crashing down and it's going to hurt a lot of people do you mean like public equity markets and stuff like that yeah okay yeah i I agree i mean well and that's why as as an investor whether it's just through a 401k or whatever you know you have to be you kind of have to know you know your what are they called asset distribution Mm -hmm. asset diverse no what's it called asset distribution okay or diversification or whatever you know you don't want to be too over especially if you have a short time horizon you know if you're 60 years old you know, your horizon is a little bit different than if you're twenty. A, a very young man like me at, here at 44, almost 45. You're old. I know. I see the white in your beard. Yep. It's getting in my hair, too. 
Well, John, let's do your. Uh, I wanna, I'm, I'm just curious now what your. So your topic uh, we can wrap it up, but I've been. Oh come on now! I've, uh, you've been you've been teasing us this whole time. It's not a tease. Yes, you were. We 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 knew you had this topic coming. It's a throwaway topic. That's fine. Let's throw it away then. Let's wait. let's we'll throw it away after we do it. That's the way this works. That's what a throwaway topic is. Uh, I was just going to share my experience with uh, using the the new Experience Cloud LWR, uh, which is kind of the new bare bones um, Lightning Web. I don't know what LWR stands for, but it's basically the, well, the full uh, a lightning web component only site. Runtime. Template. Runtime. Run it's got to be runtime, right? Yeah, but it's runtime. I, I can't find it anywhere, but I get to have a horrible runtime. name for that, by the way. I hate that it's called LWR. Really? Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It's funny. When I, when I type in into Google LWR lightning web, I'm hoping to find out what the, and it, it says showing results for LWC. It thinks I, it thinks I meant to type LWC. Yeah. So I'm not finding anything. Yeah, it's not, that's why I hate the name. It's not very searchable. Oh, wow. Nothing. Zero on the web contained LWR mm. and lightning and web. Yeah. How, that's not even possible. I'm telling you, it's not very searchable. Maybe I spelled yeah. lightning web runtime. I found it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you should we get a let's let's look at the official definition. Lightning Web Runtime allows you to build digital experiences that meet the high scale security and performance demands of modern applications. Um, it's a non opinionated way to configure and load the modules, services, and dependency providers you need to build a JavaScript app. The modules, I like the way you, the, your the mo- like they were like. There's just certain ones. The the, the, modules. the modules, not not modules. The yeah yeah. You can deploy on a variety of runtime environments depending on your use case. For example, AWR works in a local Node JS runtime or as a standalone instance on Heroku. Weird. They say in Heroku. I feel like on. we have. I feel like we have a log on versus log in situation here. Yeah. Because if you do you deploy something on AWS or in AWS, onto, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, we'll have to workshop that another time. Yeah, we we'll dig into that. Okay, I, th- I think it holds true to that definition. It's 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 non opinionated, which I really enjoy. Now, some people might not like it compared to the um, build your own template because it doesn't come with a lot of components. It doesn't come with a lot of things you can drag and drop. It comes with the basic HTML editor, rich text. Uh, I think some kind of tile menu or tile layout thing. Um, but in terms of flexibility, um, it comes with, you can override the, t- the base templates, obviously, but the layout, the layout engine is pretty nice. It comes with sections and you can break those sections up into columns. So you can point and click your way into pretty much a lot of very common UIs that you want. And for anything custom, you can just create a, your own template and stick that in there. So that's really nice. Um, because it's all lightning, it does seem to perform quite a bit better but because it's lightning it does tend to have slow initialization so once everything's loaded it's pretty fast but to get everything initialized and loaded on first run it's really slow painfully slow so this this sounds kind of cool um i can see why some some of the lwc engineers at salesforce might have been like hey let's i mean it's almost seems like it might be like uh, um kind of a side project they did or whatever but it but i would put it in the category of like database.com like given the alternatives out there on the on the open web, like mm-hmm. why, why would you, why would someone do LWR instead of like view or react? Oh, from that perspective. Yeah. But from a I'm, building a, a, and that was not a, 
rhetorical question. Like, does it have things that are better, easier, you know, faster? Um, I mean, it's it's if you're used to using the Salesforce tools and you like Lightning as a technology, then yeah, go for it. Okay, but I don't I don't subscribe to that. If given the choice between doing a full homegrown Vue JS app and a Salesforce LWR, I'd pick the Vue app. Well, let me go right to the documentation. Benefits of LWR. Ready? Performance. Nope. Thanks to page <laughs> generation at build time, not runtime, our bar is set at sub-second full page loads. Sub-second. How about sub-millisecond? Talk to me then. I mean, sub-second <laughs> is, if you can get a f- whole new page to load in less than a second, that's not in fairness, yes, if you're just if you're just doing all that kind of stuff, but if you have any component the 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 lightning components that use lightning components how, how should I say that <laughs> if mean, you if you're kidding together lightning components and lightning components to build your lightning components, it's slow. It's slow to initialize and run. It's once those components are loaded, it, it's it's granted it's fast. Um but also once it's um uh, if you have any kind of database interaction, obviously that's going to slow it down as well. But the initial run of the of the page load is a little bit slow, based on my observation. Okay, and I have minimal markup on some of these screens, um, and it I can see it churning. All right, second one is friction free, an enjoyable local development experience. I haven't set up the local experience. That would I do need to set that up and see if I can enjoy that. That might be one that I could enjoy experimenting with. And last one, drum roll. Power. All the power of the Lightning Web component and the Salesforce platform at your disposal. Uh, so it is tied to the Salesforce platform. I thought this was, is that? So when, when we talk about building sites on, on Salesforce, this is one of your options is the LWR template. So when we're building a, a site that's hosted on Salesforce, like a community site or something, that's what I, that's what we can build it on. Also, you ready for the mind blowing here? What? You ready to have your mind blown? What? In fact, the site you are on right now, developer.salesforce.com, was built with LWR. Yeah, it was. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, I've 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 uh. Uh, despite my gripes in, in terms of performance and load time, uh, it has been a good experience. I have enjoyed developing on it. Uh, I think I want to scale back my use of Lightning components and use more just straight HTML components. Yeah, maybe you're doing it wrong, John. You ever think about that? Um, it does give you quite a few styling options and customization around that, which is good. Uh, out of just out of the box base, which is nice and. Uh, it doesn't have. It has enough hooks for you to override certain things for certain pages. Uh, it's, like, it's, like, hooks, it's like Drupal. Uh, enough styling <laughs> hooks. Well, like Drupal. God, what a disaster that was. Yeah, is yeah. that still? I think I feel like that just fell off it's the still face around. of the earth, isn't? Yeah. Um, or Drupal, as some people I hear call it, Drupal. Yeah, I think I thought I was going to specialize in Drupal for it. Sounds bit. like too much like a drag queen when you say it like that. I'm glad I never did though. Drew Paul, yeah, RuPaul, yeah, yeah, RuPaul, the new face of Drew Paul. Yeah, <laughs> John, you're a marketing guy. You didn't even know it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, John, let's wrap this sucker up, man. Right. We got a uh, this is hey, we're back to um, semi monthly podcast here. 
Don't jinx it. I know. Just let it happen. Just let it happen. All right. Well, uh, we have a Slack community. Speaking of Slack, and a dear listener, if you are not in the Slack, please come join us. It's at uh, good days, or sorry, www.gooddayserpodcast.com. Click on community, put in your something, and John will add you, or something automated robot will add you. Put your email address in. Yep. Don't put your something in there. Okay. Oh, that's true. Sorry. I should clarify. <laughs> um, you can email us at info at goodday.sirpodcast.com. We mm-hmm. accept uh, song requests, prayer requests, uh, questions. Sticker requests. Sticker requests. We have stickers, podcast stickers, Good Day Sir stickers. Speaking of which, did you get the um, latest um, request? No, I did not. See, this is why I need you auditing me, John. Did not see the request. This was from about a week ago. Okay. Well, great. So we're getting sticker requests again. And uh, we need more sticker requests because we have a lot of stickers. So please, everyone. I need to hit my batch threshold size, too, so I can send a batch of these out. I got to fill a buffer. Yes. Before I dump the buffer. Yeah. So, yes, uh, get stickers. Get our stickers. Send me an email at info at com, And I just need your mailing address. Mm-hmm. I, we can send them anywhere in the world. And uh, just how many you want. I think I can fit up to like 10 in a thing. So if you just want one or two for yourself, that's fine. But if you've got, you know, some coworkers or you got a developer group or something like that, you know, let me know. Or if you just want to vandalize any. the city you live in. That's true. We support all forms of <laughs> vandaliza- vandalization with the Good Acer stickers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's it. What else, John? That's it. All right. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. We all know the UI is bad. It's not like people don't know.